The Last Word with Matt Cooper. This is not going to be the Christmas Grinch. I promise you that. He has come armed with loads of ideas for environmentally friendly, sustainable Christmas gifts that you can get for others or maybe even get for yourself. John, let's start with mobility, shall we so say. And you want to look at a product. You're going to tell me about a product which turns your bike into an e-bike. That's right, Matt. Good evening. Yeah, this is called a switch bike. Uh, that's with a Y switch bike kit. And basically, it, you take your commoner garden bike and you send off for this kit and essentially you get a new wheel. So, for example, your, your back wheel, that's, they replace that and the unit is fitted to that and there's also a battery attached to it. The advantage, I guess, uh, more than anything, is the cost. Typically, you're looking in the range of five to six hundred euros for the switch bike kit. Compare that with probably twelve hundred uh, for a for a for a for a full e-bike, so it's not quite a well. It is a hybrid in the sense, of course, that it's a combination of battery and pedaling. But it also allows you to, uh, if you like, rather than having to th- like, if you're already a cyclist and you don't want to have to throw out your bike to get an e-bike, this is a kind of a, a halfway house, and and it's I think it's quite an interesting approach. And is an e-bike actually? environmentally friendly because your normal bike is powered by your own physical activity but an e-bike has to be charged up which means it's used electricity therefore the use of electricity is bad for the environment. Well uh, first of all of course it depends on how we produce the electricity secondly I suppose probably the the bicycle the regular commoner garden bicycle mat is reckoned to be the most efficient invention in human history it's the only invention that actually multiplies power every other invention uh, you start out with a certain amount of power and you end up with less but with the bicycle you can basically increase say the ability of a human to move forward by a rate of 3 to 4 so it's a remarkably efficient vehicle now if you then add a small battery like a 500 watt battery to that Basically, you push out the range available to an ordinary human from maybe uh, enthusiastic cyclists might do 10 kilometres. Uh, but with, with an e-bike, you can push that out to 20, 30 kilometres. Or you can get up the hills more easily. And exactly. It, it, ha- it has what they call the Holland effect, Matt. It flattens the, the hills and it sort of levels it out. So it means that people like me, who'd be an occasional cyclist, you don't get it quite as bad in the in Sorry, the Why are you only an occasional cyclist? Why haven't you abandoned your car and become a full-time cyclist? Well, I suppose I have the, the, the good fortune to live close to the dark, Matt, which means I guess I'm in and out of the city a lot using public transport. I use Dublin bikes when I'm in town. But to be honest with you, the last time I was on a Dublin bike in town, I got shouted at by a taxi driver who apparently thinks that bikes shouldn't be on the road. Apparently he said they should be in the bike lane. So I do understand uh, how intimidating it can be to be a cyclist when you've got to share the road with some very angry people. When you get on your Dublin bike though, do you wear suitable reflective clothing to make yourself highly visible? Not at all, no. But Dublin bikes come with built-in lights front and rear. And that should be absolutely, absolutely all you require. You're fully complied with the law when you've got a front and rear light and you don't have to be dressed up like a Christmas tree to drive around. I mean, if motorists are not paying attention, that's a whole other issue. Not, not that we're going down that route, Matt. No, we're not. No. I see you're also putting e-scooters on your list of potential Christmas purchases. Yeah, I mean, I know they have a they have a controversial history, but I think we're in the process, if I if I have this correctly, of basically getting them onto a legislative footing. I mean, there's been an issue about them. And I think the key thing, and maybe the bad rap for e-scooters, has been the fact that we have this sort of grey market, Matt, where they're, we don't quite know whether they're legal or illegal, with the result that you get sort of uh, unclocked or clocked scooters that can go 30, 40 kilometres an hour. Now, they're downright 
downright dangerous. That's just crazy. But the notion of a basic scooter to step onto and buzz around, I mean, that to me is is really, un, should be uncontroversial. But the, the issue, of course, is uh, if they're too quick. And the other issue, of course, is where exactly they go. Uh, do they go on the road? Do they go on the footpath? Do they go on the cycle lanes? And of course, the ideal place for a scooter would be to share the cycle lane. We don't want them uh, up on the footpaths where they're making a nuisance for, for, for pedestrians. Yeah, the sister says bikes should be in a bike lane full stop. They were built especially for them. But of course, the problem is that there's loads of places where there are not bike lanes for people to Precisely cycle. Not. And if you enter a bike lane, you have to exit that bike lane again because bike lanes do the things that, that regular lanes don't. They suddenly stop. They suddenly disappear. So again, motorists need to be... And by the way, most of us are pedestrians, motorists, cyclists, uh, like I am. So putting us into boxes and labels and saying it's cyclists against motorists, we, we need to instead to think of road users and particularly vulnerable road users. Well, then what about cargo bikes? Yeah, cargo bikes really have become a thing. In fact, one of the, well, a couple of the companies that uh, I've been looking at here, uh, they do deliveries. They do the, the so-called last mile or indeed last several kilometres uh, using cargo bikes. I my neck of the woods in Dunleary, for example, the local pizzeria delivers the delivers uh, their hot pizzas using a using an insulated cargo bike. They're really efficient. They always have a decent size, usually about a, a one kilowatt battery pack to support them. Uh, they come in all kinds of shades and sizes. You see them, for example, the, there's a Montessori down down my road as well, uh, and you see. Uh, people, parents there with maybe up to three kids in uh, basically a car. But they are motorised as well, oh, aren't absolutely. they? Because you would yeah. not be able to cycle with the these weight things, on a cargo bike otherwise, would precisely. you? Precisely. These things are much too heavy for, for regular cycling. Well, mind you, you see the very odd one, but no, they're strongly motor-assisted and that's a fantastic transitional vehicle. So what we call a cargo bike, that cargo, of course, could be little people. That cargo could be goods, that cargo could be, uh, but it's an ideal solution to replace so you have so many vans and moving around the city, so many even even light trucks that are actually bringing things that could easily I know maybe they could be come by drone next year, but in the meanwhile there's still going to be a lot of a lot of scope for for surface delivery, and the the cargo bike basically means it's smaller. And of course, it's cleaner and quieter, Matt, which is really important in our in our towns and cities. Let's go to another thing that you have, and this is about going secondhand because I think you're actually into your gadgets and your electronics, and you like playing with these things. But do you always go new, or do you actually go secondhand? And if so, where can you get decent stuff secondhand? Well, this is the question, and you're absolutely right. Guilty as charged. I've I've long been a, a technophile, and uh, and it was a little bit of a, a sort of a, a digital detox to to really get out of the habit of just indulging my technological whims by simply buying new stuff. Now there are lots of options if you want to go secondhand uh, instead. Uh, for example, the the phone in my pocket. I got, which is an iPhone as it happens, I got that uh, about 18 months ago from a site called refurb.ie. So it's better value. And you can specify, by the way, the condition. So you can go like good, very good to excellent. And basically, the excellent condition is, for all intents, is, is as good as new. And what it really means is, every time a new phone, a new laptop, a new iPad is manufactured, there are huge uh, environmental impacts associated with that. Yet many of them have desperately short lives because we have short attention spans. And of course, the manufacturers are always trying to attract us with the latest shiny object. So if you choose instead to get a quality secondhand electrical item, like your phone, like your laptop, whatever, uh, you can, there are all kinds of services. I mentioned uh, Refurb. There's another company called Swappy.ie. And also actually on the main street, if you're not, if you're not necessarily into, into going online, there's a store, a chain store called CEX. I'm not quite sure how it pronounces, but it's it's CEX. And they basically are a bring and buy. So if you like things like games, like laptops, like phones, you can you can 
bring in your old old machines there, sell them for, for a fairly low price. They recondition them and they sell them back. And generally speaking, Matt, they're sold with a warranty. So you can get your typical 12-month warranty. And the key thing here is we're producing an enormous amount. Ireland, in fact, is one of the highest in Europe at e-waste. And these electronic waste are really difficult, especially if they end up in, in being thrown, thrown into general waste. They're very difficult. They're very complex. And even small items like phones have a really large carbon footprint. You mightn't think of them, but they're really large footprint. So the question is, it's not, nobody's saying, you know, you can't have them. The question really is to think about maybe instead uh, going secondhand. And on the secondhand thing, Matt, uh, I suppose something, this is something I got from my, from my daughters. They use uh, a website called Depop. That's D-E-P-O-P. In fact, it's an app rather than a website. And that allows them, for example, to buy things like jewellery, bags, shoes, even items like sunglasses. So they use that. uh, And apparently... This app works. So if you're in Spain, the Depop kind of shows you the local things to buy in Spain. If you're in Ireland, so it's geolocates. So they've had situations where they bought something from Depop. And in fact, the person who sold it apparently arrived at the door with it. Right. So it really is bringing people so this, together. So instead of actually just sending things to landfill, because you no longer like the look of a jacket or a pair of trousers or a pair of sunglasses, you could bring them to your local charity shop, I suppose. But if you want to make a few quid out of it, you can sell them or you can trade them. Absolutely. And the local charity shop, by the way, they, they're having a bit of a moment too. And, and this, and again, maybe I'm using my own kids as, 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 uh, test beds here, but I don't think they're unusual that what we're seeing are that younger people in particular are really conscious of, they like shopping, but they're conscious of the waste. They're conscious of sustainability, maybe more so than older people. And they, they now, there's a lot of pride and a lot of bragging rights among, among younger people in saying, well, actually, I got this amazing thing secondhand. Wait till you see it. Probably a few years ago, Matt, people would have been ashamed to say they were buying things like clothes secondhand. Whereas now they're saying, actually, it's a mark of how smart you are, that you're, you're a clever shopper and you're using your head and also that you're not engaging in landfill. And we know, for example, from the rag trade, from the clothes trade, the amount of waste in it is just colossal. Actually, just Donald says, it's okay to buy brand new phones as long as you send back your old ones. That's the circular economy. Mm, yes and no. If you're buying brand new phones every 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 year, that's not a circular economy. You're simply generating more and more demand for more and more phones. Companies like Apple, like Samsung, they want you to 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 they they wave the shiny new phone at you every year in exactly that hope. I think we need to be careful about fooling ourselves as to what circularity means. What it means is the the wheels of the economy spinning faster and faster. That's not circularity. Sean says, don't forget the vintage stores as well as the charity stores. All my jackets are vintage jackets. Absolutely. And again, I think it's increasingly the mark of the savvy purchaser, the sustainable, the the eco-conscious purchaser who is using their intelligence, using their wit to go looking for things rather than simply, you know, buying the stuff that's been shoveled at them by the multiple. So I think, I really think there's been a, there's been a shift, Matt, uh, in perception of pre-used items. Okay, we're not going to have time to get through everything, so we'll have to finish this next week. So I'm going to take another couple of examples. Here's a lovely offbeat one. Seeds. You're suggesting the purchase of native Irish seeds from brown envelope seeds. Why? Yeah, well, I mean, for example, lots of people are getting back into, into gardening. And the great thing about, about these seeds are that they're, they, these are native Irish species of all manner of things. And actually, Brown Envelope is a really interesting story. Uh, it, that's run by a woman called Madeleine McKeever. Uh, many people would know her famous daughter, who is, of course, Holly Cairns. And Holly actually worked uh, in the Brown Envelope seeds up until uh, 2020 when she went to work uh, as, a, as a TD. So this is a company, a real get up and go business uh, down 
in down in uh, West, Cork. West Cork. That's right. And uh, they're not the only one. There's another. So you get gift box vegetable seeds at what price? Yeah, and we were looking at seed basic boxes starting at about twenty five, rising to fifty uh, euros. And I think it's important to say all the seeds are naturally pollinated by either insects or winds. And the purpose again, really, the people. Uh, like, like Madeleine McKeever, what they're into this for is really restoring uh, biodiversity and improving, if you like, the, 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 the rich vein of, 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 of the Irish wildlife. And then Irish seed savers. Yeah, Irish seed savers is an interesting one. They have over 600 non-commercially available varieties. And this basically is, it's like a, it's almost like a seed bank, Matt, where they're trying to preserve so much of the, of the, of the rich heirloom of, of vegetable seeds and heritage apple trees. Because if you go into a supermarket, you're presented with three or four types of apples, your Granny Smith and your and your Golden Wonders. In fact, in nature there are hundreds of species just of apples alone and many of them are disappearing. So the purpose of these companies and I, I applaud them, is to, to keep, first of all, to make sure that those seeds continue in existence uh, because what we need in the future is more diversity, Matt, not less. Very briefly hampers of lo- local produce one from the Dublin Food Co-op yeah, the Dublin Food Co-op. Now, let me see if I can get my note on They have gift vouchers in €25 Euro increments, but what's in the hamper? Yeah, well, basically, the hamper is a, is, a, is, a, is a grab bag of all kinds of things. And again, the focus is on fresh, it's on organic. This is the, this is the real issue with, 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 the, with the Dublin Food Co-op. So this is supporting local farmers and producers. And then there's another one with that, Living Woodlands. What's that? Yeah, now... Um, if you're trying to find your notes, I'm jumping yes. all over the place on you here. <laughs> you're doing this on me again, Matt. You are indeed. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's different options on, on the woodland front. For example, there's there's one down in Wicklow, which I think is fantastic, uh, where you can, as a gift, uh, gift a tree for, for what's called the, the Wolfgang Reforest. Uh, that, that, and basically, they're involved, Matt, in restoring and replanting ancient woodlands. Uh, and for you can basically pay and gift that tree for, for 20 euros for one or three for 60. So the idea there is to restore it and to to benefit biodiversity. We'll go through the rest of them next week and some other environment items for the end of year. John Gibbons, we'll see you next Thursday. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today and-